There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We may not be able to get in on the hurling action like we're used to yet, but we can get in on some exclusive offers from Renault. To celebrate their third year as official car partner of the GAA, Renault is offering a range of special offers exclusive to all GAA club members. So now you can take home the win right to your door. Check out Renault.ie slash GAA to find out more. With Renault, official car partner of the GAA, taking the passion of a nation to a whole new gear. A, a, a grain of rice, a, a grain of rice, is going to tip the scale. Just remember that, then. There's a small bit of a needle there. Now, come on, Mayo, you've got to get Andy Moran into the game. Our mission was to show, that we're no longer the whipping boys of Munster. Morning, lads. How are you doing? Good day, Good day, I think we're back to being the whipping boys of Munster again, are we? <laughs> You're the whipping boys of James Owens, and I call the Brian Lohan. <laughs> How are you all? Uh, you're welcome, folks. Um, 5th of July, um, not the first time on the 4th of July, I had a bad day with Tip, a bad day in 1993 as well. <laughs> no, nurse will be. Sure, look, uh, loads talk about, delighted that we can be joined this morning by O'Loughlin's Brian Hogan. Hoagie, how are you? Good day, Better than yourself, I'd say. I'm all right. I've been seeing enough without this stage. Joanna asking me, was I going to get emotional on yesterday? So I, was more, I, I was more mad than sad. <laughs> no, sure. Look, at a fantastic weekend of, of sport. I suppose there'd, there'd be disappointments either way. But Hoagie, your your contract with Hawkeye is still going well, Fee. God bless Hawkeye. Whoever was the lad in Crow Park who came up with that idea, i tell you one thing. As someone said, he must have been a Kilkenny man. Um, I see Murph there uh, tweeting there after the match. Saying, yeah, thank God for night. I had to chime in after it. Obviously, I benefited from it as well. But uh, yeah, yeah, look, I mean, I suppose it's it's where technology is. Um, it's proven its worth, you know, if you like, certainly mm-hmm. from our, our perspective anyway. And we were glad of it. And and plus, like, the umpire had signaled for a point as well, hadn't he? So I suppose, like, it was good refereeing from Fergal, really, just to go in, calm everyone down, so we go to Hawkeye here and make sure. Yeah, look, I mean, you could see. You know, the plaudits that came out for Fergal after the match, you know, it was an, it was an epic encounter. And, uh, you know, everyone was singing these praises for various reasons, you know. Um, I think there was a montage going around of a, about a two-minute clip there where there was, there was old-style championship hurling. There was hits going in. There wasn't anyone looking for any favours. They were just getting on with it. The, it flowed. Wexford had possession. Kenny had possession, you know, and he just he let it go. And, and obviously in that instance where, you know, um, the match was in the melting pot. It was the last couple of seconds and massive shot from Liam Ryan and he had the composure and the the calmness to kind of, you know, go in and, you know, consult with the umpire and, you know, and, and use the technology and, you know, look, it obviously favoured us and on this occasion, you know, and uh, yeah, look, he had, he had a huge get, you know, he was fantastic, you know, the, the spectacle that was on show and the players take obviously a huge credit for that as well, but, you know, Fergal Horgan, I think, allowed it to, to develop and uh, yeah, it just, 
just a, it was a perfect ending, I suppose, to a match full of drama, if you like, you know, the perfect end to full time, at least, anyway. Mm, some some finish by Conor McDonald, like, not rewarded either, like, but... I know, um, the skill, the skill yeah. to be able to double on it, you know, back into oh, the yeah, and the awareness. Yeah, 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 and the awareness, like most lads, it switched off at that stage, you know, to, to, to expect it to come potentially back into play. You know, obviously, Murph having done something similar a couple of times in the first, you know, in, in, um, prior to that. So, yeah, you look, it was, it had everything. But it's it's technology, lads. That's the that's the major thing. Is that the right decision was got to, and whether it was the first minute or whether it was the seventieth minute, the important thing is the right decision, uh, and the right outcome was achieved by the use of technology. And you know, you're one hundred percent right. Fergal Hagen contributed massively to the overall game, the spectacle that was there on Saturday, and um, and he showed a composure. A little bit different to what Ellen Kelly yes, was a number of years ago with, with Limerick and uh, Kilkenny in a similar situation later on when the line ball hit the, the hurley and went out for a 65 that was never given. So, yeah, like there was a lot of controversy that time. And um, it probably is the composure, Brian. You mentioned a very the composure of the referee to say, listen, the technology is there. I know the game is nearly over. Don't panic now. And they'll go back to your time, Dale, with Jimmy Cooney and stuff like that if the technology was there. Or somebody whispered in his ear, or his, 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 his linesman came out, or umpires came out and said, Look, Jimmy, you're two minutes short there. Just listen, you need to play another two or three minutes here. He's landed up this morning. We will leave him alone. What's going digging up Ash, this look, stuff for? I'll just give him the out like, that, that if technology was around at that time in 1998, Della, you might have had the three all elementals. Like, you know? there, was, there was technology, it's called a watch. <laughs> <laughs> but it obviously ran out of battery. Fairness, I said it this morning. I think that was a genuine mistake. I think, you know, absolutely. It's horrible that B got Jimmy off the field as fast as lightning. It's like, TJ, what's your take in the whole weekend? You're still sitting nice and cozy. The team that was supposed to come along and dethrone you are already out of the Leinster Championship, not out of the All Ireland, mind you. But uh, you're, you're, you didn't play well, is the perception generally I'm hearing, and you still won by seven points. Um, well, first of all, Della, I'm going to go to the old saying of the GA, nothing beats being there. I was there, and even though there was only 2,400 of us, there was a great atmosphere there. Mm. It definitely helped. It definitely helped all the games over the weekend. It makes a significant difference. And like obviously being there and being able to watch it tactically and what went on, and we heard Kieran Kingston afterwards saying that they put a huge amount of work into it, and you could see that as the way they set up. Uh, it was intriguing. But it was brilliant. Uh, like Nicky Quaid made a super save, which I thought was probably a significant turning point. I'm sure we'll come to the decision in a while in the game. I thought that if Cork got another goal there, they were just kind of getting a nice hole in the game. But we should be talking about probably a lot of good stuff. But unfortunately today, I know we're going to be dominated by in a while. But Nicky Quaid saved the pace of Dara Fitzgibbon, the tackling of TJ Reid. Just with some serious stuff. The intensity in the Wexford the Kinney game. You'd love to be part of it. Love to be playing that. We should be talking about Dublin, like the gold day, guys. Uh, and I have to say, finish on maybe Ian Galvin's flick or Shami Canlan's flick or Kelly's after right from the sideline. We had an awful lot of stuff dealt with the weekend. And in fairness, for four semifinals, it might have been close to overdose material. But in fairness, in the main, it was very, very good stuff. Was, was. I, I was in trial and stuff, like, and I suppose to be dominated by the whole decision in the clear. Um, Tip one, and we don't, we won't maybe go overboard on that. We, we give our opinion on it and, and, and move on from it. Um, I suppose it was one of those games that the rule, the rule has come in. I suppose 
Morph's one on Saturday is a clear cut why we need it. Morph knew what he yeah. was doing. Yeah. He took the chance on you know, Brennan going in and saving the penalty and he's on time in the bin. The other ones have been, you know, the Shane Fives one, the Peter Casey one. I think this this latter, latter one on Aidan McCarthy have been controversial, I suppose. What I would say is maybe Shanahur and Conor Cahillan look like they might be getting off shots that would be goals. There was a chance. For me, how Jake Morris could be perceived as if he he was he was a goal threat from there or there was a chance of a goal. That's why I found it difficult to accept. No, we'd Fergal on this show with us, and he, you know, he gave us the line that it was up to the ref. The rule was there that great players can cause goals to come out of any angle. But I think if it was a thing that Jake Morris had sidestepped Aidan McCarthy and was gone inside him, and we know he's incredible <clears> pace now, so is Aidan McCarthy for that matter. But it was the type of free it was. Aidan McCarthy had got back and made a brilliant hoop. Then Paul Flanagan got blocked down, and he mistimed our support challenge. I would say fair enough. There's a definite yellow. Might have even been a hint of a red office. But he definitely wasn't thinking, I'm going to take you down from getting a goal here. That's my take on it. And that's why I disappointed that James decided, well, the rule is there. I'm going to just enforce it because it's in the law. And that's why I was very disappointed about it. Your takes. Um, me, Dello, I'll go first. I, two, two things I'm going to say is I told she, and I know, I know that that's an easy statement to make, that this potentially could happen. Um... Is is ver- even live on at the match for me, and I was in a perfect position for the Peter Casey one, right? Live, right after he was fouled, it was extremely difficult live to say that there was a goal on, right? Now afterwards, with the kind of advantage of television, you're saying yes, Conor Callahan would have got the shot off, but live. So for me, a referee in situations like that, he's not going to be. It's 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 a rule that I thought at the time was going to cause plenty hassle. And it has the potential to cause more hassle. The other side of it is the penalty is too harsh. A penalty and a sin bin is too harsh. It's like a double penalty. And the last thing is, I think a little bit like maybe other sports like soccer or rugby, that in order to give a red card or give these decisions going forward, I think you need to be absolutely stonewall sure like the Owen Murphy situation. I think it'd be better to err the other way. If we were here today arguing that he should have given a sin bin or he should have given a penalty for some decision, I think it would be a better argument from the GEA's point of view. But I think the decision was wrong. And I'm hoping that the governing body of referees, whoever they are, are going to stand up and be counted. I don't think James should be taking the full brunt of it. He's trying to enforce a rule that... I don't know. Like, it started this league deal and we were giving out about the advantage rules. Somebody tinkered with that. They, they, they listened and they changed. In fairness, I think we should take a lot of credit for Fergal Horgan. I think we moulded him on this show. I think we've made him a better referee. I definitely think that. And I think that maybe if James wants to come and talk to us, I think it would be a big advantage for him. Right? <laughs> and I think, I, think, I think that if we were sitting on the referees committee for making rule changes and looking at game going forward, I think the game will be in a far better place, Dello. Well, there's there's your answer now, Donald Smith and all those lads. And Croker, just get the four of us on up there. <laughs> we, we sort the feet. What did you make? Um, yeah, I, I I'm conscious. I was in, we're in a similar, uh, not a similar situation, different instance, obviously, but with Fergal and with the same opposition, if you like Tipperary a couple of years ago, to Richie Hogan, and was, that was far more open to debate. This one was clear cut, you know, and it's not that it's. It's Tipperary and, and anything like, you know, um, which I've seen on social media, a bit of that kind of narrative around Doc Kenny Tip 
it's not anything to do with that. It was literally a case of it wasn't a goal-scoring chance. As a defender, I do not understand how it can be interpreted that a forward picks up a ball, someone say closer to the Ennis Road than to the goal line, and is it's a goal-scoring chance. Oh, there the corner, look. look. See the corner to get it yeah. going? There, look, you can see, you can see the Ennis Road. Look, right there. Yeah, it, it was a bad tackle, right, Dale? But, I mean... Like, as a defender, that's exactly where you want to defend a forward. Out there on the, on the sideline, in the corner. In, you know, you could argue he should have just cut the angle off and kind of, you know, uh, try to keep him out there. But it was a bad challenge. But no way was it. You know, I mean, look, there were so many variables still at play for that to come off as a goal in terms of, you know, him beating the other defenders coming back, getting a shot off, beating the keeper, all that kind of thing. So, no, I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't. I think everyone's in agreement on that. And it's just a poor decision, unfortunately, that did ultimately have a huge impact on the game. And Mark, um, you know, you'd have to give credit to Tip, a bit like in the All-Ireland final of, of two years ago. They really did capitalise on the extra man, like 2-4 to 2 points in, in that 10 yeah. minutes alone, probably sealed the game. We did we did mention this in the pad uh, re, uh, before, that if, if a team went down to 14 players against Tipperary, the one crowd that used the ball fierce well are the Tipperary team, and they proved that again. Uh, over the weekend, and I mean, they scored 2-4 versus two points in that period of time. And I was thinking about the rugby analogy in some respects, Dale, when a team goes down to 14, they normally say it's about an eight-point swing, you know, or maybe one try-scoring opportunity. And it, it's a bit like the, the Cork and Limerick game the other night when Cork went down or had the extra man and Limerick went down to 14. It was actually Limerick that took on the mental at that stage and they outscored Cork in that period of time. So... That's a, that's something we said from a Cork perspective, which was disappointing. But going back to it, I am, we did mention when Fergal was on the, the programme, I remember I said to you that uh, I thought there should be an extra line introduced halfway between the sideline and the goalpost. Um, like the soccer in, in England, okay, that the penalty area, that there's an area out there called dead man's land or no man's land, we say, and that's where that foul is committed. And we all felt that a foul out by the sideline was not going to be a goal-scoring opportunity. And I felt that there should be an extra line introduced um, halfway between the sideline and the goals, you know. So, and that would actually help the referees, I suppose, in some respects. Now, the other side of this is that Shamie Canlon picked up a ball, lads, out the other sideline and turned his man and he got a goal out of it. I noticed a mistake by the keeper. So he did engineer a goal-scoring opportunity, which, which did come off. Um, I feel sorry for James Owens, and I thought it got very personal over the weekend on the interview with Brian Lowen, and, and I don't blame Brian, I'm just saying it got very personal for an amateur referee um, to be pinpointed for him carrying out the rules of the association. And I think if he didn't offer the, uh, if he didn't give the penalty, you know, let's just turn around a little bit. If he didn't give the penalty and Tipper beaten by two points, the first person that would come out after the game is Liam Sheedy, and he would say, we had a player that was tripped inside the 21-yard line with a goal-scoring opportunity, and we weren't awarded a penalty. And that's what you'd be listening to, is you'd have that negativity, and he'd be saying, the rules of the association are there, and we have a referee that didn't uh, abide by the rules. I don't think he would, Mark. I, I, don't, I don't think Liam would have come back to that situation. I think a yellow card and a free in for Jason Ford and a point. Um, let's just see. We, we we obviously explained it badly the first morning we tackled it, and, and Johnny Ryan got on to us. So we got Fergal on the show. Let's let's just hear what Fergal had to say. Probably backs up your point, Mark, to a fair extent. If a player, if a corner forward gets the ball on the sideline inside the twenty meter line, and he rounds the player, right? Why yeah. will the player pull him down if he doesn't feel it's a goal scoring opportunity? 
So, in my opinion, that if, if the corner forward is capable of rounding his man at any stage inside the 20 metre line and he can lose his marker, at the level we're operating at, any corner forward, and Anthony has played centre back, wing back, and TG played at both ends of the field, Mark, and you played wing back, midfield, you know yourself the calibre of player you're dealing with nowadays. The TG Rees, the Joe Cannings, the Aaron Gillans, all these men are capable of scoring. If they can swing their hurry anywhere inside the 20 metre line, these boys are capable of putting the ball in the back of the net. So the question I'd ask is, if the defender doesn't feel he's under pressure, why would he pull him down inside the 20-metre line? And in my yeah, opinion, I, I, if, <clears throat> if the player is going inside the man and he's pulled down inside that 20-metre line deliberately, in my opinion, it's a penalty and a sin bin. And that's clear okay. cut. That's fairly, uh, yeah. fairly clear cut on what he says there, but... I just think we we might look at Brian Lohan's reaction as well, Mark. You brought the two points up there, so... Do I need to mention what everyone is talking about, I presume? I suppose the penalty did change the game, Brian. Um, the interpretation we were given was it was up to the referee to into a goal-scoring opportunity within the 21. Uh, it looked to have confused a lot of people. What was the information you got, Brian, to explain that decision? I didn't get any information to explain the decision. Um... I could just see what um, uh, what happened with my own eyes, um, and I think the, um, the booze at the end of the game from the crowd is a reflection of what did happen. So I don't know. We're just stunned with it. Did you have reservations about the rule in general, Brian? Because I suppose it's up to the referee on the day, then the individual has to carry out that decision. But the rule is there in black and white. Did you have any reservations before the championship started with this? Well, sure, the rule is okay. It's it's the interpretation is the um, is the issue. Like the rule is there for, for, for both teams. So I've no problem with the rule, but it's the interpretation of it. I suppose you'd argue that you had defenders back. Well, I, I had a quick look at it on, on video there, and it looked like we'd more than one defender back. Um, I don't know how he figured that it was. Uh, I'd say he's probably the only person in the ground that thought it was a goal-scoring opportunity. Would you have sympathy for the referee in question with the... The task of having to interpret that rule on any given day in that championship heat. I wouldn't, no. Credit credit to RT there for, for giving us the interview. Um Yeah. Yeah, he clearly upset. I I'm so sure he was overly personal, Mark. Do you know he 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 said he wouldn't have sympathy for the ref. I don't think he was overly yeah, personal but he, Yeah, but he also said straight afterwards that James owns a red card of David McInerney last year and he was the only player to be red carded. No I think he's inferring there slightly that James Owens might be hard on Claire Anthony. Um, I can't. I actually don't know the incident that David McInerney was sent off for last year. Um, I don't know whether any of you know it, but I, I, I think James Owens is an amateur um, person going around every day of the week, and I think uh, openly criticising a fella <clears throat> for carrying out the rules of the association. I think are pretty harsh on him, you know. Yeah. So, what's your what's your take? Um... TJ, on Fergal's interview with us there a good few weeks ago now. Uh, the rule is open, just as Fergal said there, right? Because, look, I think if we were in a court of law, right, I don't think anybody can definitely argue there wasn't a goal on, right? Like, James could say maybe there was a player inside, he had a look up, that Jake Morris would have skipped three or four strides. Like, if we take the next goal after that, and if Jamie Cannon had been fouled over the corner flag, right, we would all have argued, no way in the world was there a goal on. But Jamie Cannon did, for whatever reason, though it was a mistake by the keeper, he scored a goal, right? So James Owens could point to that. Like, the rule was brought in, Delo, 
for the two or three incidents last year that were absolutely brutally cynical. Exactly, player knew exactly what he was doing, right? The problem when you go into rule of law, right, in any association or any organization, here at work even, right, you're always slow to bring in a rule because the very minute then someone, someone kind of steps inside of what are you going to do, right? So that's posing the challenge for the referee. So the problem is with the rule. Um, should it be there? For cynical play, yes, but then you're into a minefield of what happened over the weekend. I think we need the clarification that what James Owens did was a mistake. And if we get that, I think we have a way forward. I, I suppose, like, on that one, TJ, like, I mean, if you look at the Owen Murphy incident with, with, uh, yeah. with Connell, Con I mean, with Connell Flood, like, it was a one-on-one. -on -one. The expectation would be that Connell would score. Is a one-on-one -on -one with the keeper. The expectation in the Clare Tipperary situation certainly wasn't that he was going to score a goal. You're right. Who's to say he, he may have, you know, skipped past, you know, three or four steps and hung a ball in the far corner and we'd be talking about. But certainly the, the law of averages, the expectation was there's no way he should score a goal from out there. Whereas the rule was brought in for, as you say, the, uh, the dare I say it, the, the cynical, cynical play that, that, that Murph did, you know, the, the day before, where he knew what he was doing. And he had to, you know, in fairness, that was the rule it was brought in for. And he had to go and because it was a clear. So, you know, there's, there's the interpretation of it. And, and I think all of us agree that, you know, the expectation was there wasn't going to be a goal, a goal to come off. You know, the same way with Jamie Canlon. We wouldn't have expected him to score that goal. But again, he slipped and and uh, Quilligan sli slipped in the goal as well. And, and it, was, it was a poor mistake, you know. So it wasn't, you wouldn't have said Irish situations were a clear goal scoring opportunity. Yeah, but I suppose Fergal Hogan did make the point that the quality of player that we have in the country at the moment are capable of scoring goals from anywhere. And that is a that's a valid point. And um, like the byproduct of the rule that has come in has actually stopped cynical players so far in the championship out the field as well, guys. So it's not just for the goal scoring opportunity, it's actually for some of the, the Danny Cliff the Danny Sutcliffe tackle last year was the first time I saw a fella hitting a fella with a hurley on the run, fifty yards out and bringing him down. You know, and we saw other incidents um, afterwards. We haven't seen any major cynical play this year, and so like th there is a byproduct to what is happening. Um, I, I think it, it okay. The controversy about it, and we have, we got to take out you know where we're from and the reasons and how disappointed we are, and point you to a defeat or not defeat. Like late in the game, I'd be a bit more critical of the penalty that wasn't awarded late in the game. Um, where there was a definite pull down. So, like, I think it'll benefit our game longer term. And I also think it'll benefit forwards because I genuinely feel that forwards for the last number of years have been pulled and dragged and hauled. Their skill level has been tested more than it ever was. That's fair enough. But I, I think some of the hauling and the mauling the forwards are taking, whatever county they're in, right, is way over the top at the moment. I disagree, Mark. Totally. I, I think I think the incident between Shanahar and Barry Heffernan inside was coming together. It was 50-50. We've seen loads of them. It could have been a penalty. Like I think Shanahar might have pulled him in first and Barry Heffernan gets involved. I actually think the one piece of real cynical play in the game, right, was late in the game, right, when there was a ball puck down the middle, Shanahar caught it just outside the 21-yard line. Two tip-backs came and held him up. They knew exactly what they were doing. That was definitely cynical. 
So the rule isn't going to fix that. And we spoke about that before, I think, where Jackie Terrell said that if you hold a player up and stand him up, they, like, they definitely knew they were following him there, they law. Like, mm. So I, th- I think it's a minefield. It's a tricky one. And as I said to you, I think the, the answer to our problems is rather than beating the shit out of this, is that the four of us go to Crow Park. We have a chat with the lads. We trash it out. Uh, small few expenses. And I think the game would be in a better place. <laughs> and a couple of tickets for the month for the final, TJ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm inclined to agree with you nearly, TJ, about the last one. And uh, Jackie was adamant on, on the show there yesterday that, that, that should have been a penalty for him, Jenner. I thought they were both kind of at it as the ball was dropping. But I just still can't get my head around where the type of tackle that Aidan McCarthy put in on... Jake Morris and to bring the ball in and give a penalty and send the guy off for 10 minutes. I just, I can't, I can't understand how the ref decided, yeah, now is the time to apply this rule because it's in the rules. Technically, I'm in the right by doing this, but my gut feeling is telling me here, this is all wrong. There's no way this is a goal scoring chance. I'm, go- I'm going to be straight up and say that, that I can't figure out how his mind went to send in yeah. penalty. Is it coming back to the way they were assessed, Dalo? You know that you know he knows as you said that technically within the the you know the rule it, it is a free but in the in the I suppose spirit of the game it, you know it was a really a goal scoring opportunity and t- just to follow up on Mark's point I mean I've no you know um you know no kind of uh, connection to either side you know like I I I'd absolutely say that the Murphy, Murphy incident uh, was, on Colin Flood was a you know. Was he a sin bin and, and a penalty? Absolutely. In the tip, clear match, you know, as an impartial onlooker, I would agree with you, Jello, you know, that I, I do feel they were hard done by. And, and it was, for me, looking on as a kind of impartial spectator, it had a massive influence on, because I, I thought Claire were really hurling well, you know, and as, as Brian Lowen mentioned, that 2-4 in that period, you know, like, it, it obviously conceding that, I think Claire were shell-shocked, you know, the penalty, the, the convert, tip converted it. And then Callan with the fortuitous goal and shortly after that, it was that was it. You know, it was a, it was a massive uh, turning point in the game, if you like. You know, period of, of a couple of minutes. And I think for Clare, you know, in terms of their development, it was a huge kind of psychological knockback. You know, against against the old enemy, if you like. You know, to try and expect him to bounce back from that kind of six seven point swing. Yeah, I suppose at the end of the day, though, they have to know Huggy and yeah. they have to try and pick up the pieces. I suppose hopefully maybe get a break in the draw, maybe avoid the first match. Um, for tip, the mark they hurled well in patches. I felt you know they, they opened up clear a nice few times. And Aver Quilligan, yeah. although he did get caught for a soft goal, he made three yeah. great saves as well. So they showed yeah. uh, flashes of what they're capable of. But I wouldn't have thought on that performance they would beat Limerick. But every game is different, obviously. Yeah, first, like you know, first day out, um, Anthony blown away the cobwebs and stuff like that. Um, I suppose a lot of managers and teams are a bit apprehensive because the league has probably been shown to be a phony league really now at the moment when you see what Wexford and Kilkenny served up in the league and then when they, what they served up a short couple of weeks later in the championship was just chalk and cheese. So I think Tip, like Limerick, does a good bit of improvement in them. I'd say they both would be delighted to get over the line in the main injury-free have a two-week run now into the into the monster final. I think they, they created the chances, uh, Anthony, that will trouble any team. And they're fantastic hurlers. I thought Paddy Mayer was slightly uncomfortable early in the game and he grew he grew more into the game. 
Tip got a massive amount out of Michael Breen and Dan McCormick, which are a huge help to their forwards as well. They bring a massive physicality to it. Um, I thought Bubbles looked extremely fit and lean, and I think he'll improve a good bit for the game as well. So I thought Tip hurled well, Anthony, and I thought Claire, Claire got the start that they wanted. They got to the front, they got the tails up. They got a goal before half time, you know, from the talisman Tony Kelly, which is fantastic as well, and it gave him a real shot in the arm going in at half time. Like, definitely, the penalty had a had a bit to do with the result. There's no point in saying otherwise, particularly when it came down to four points at the end. Now, tip were comfortable. I thought at eight points, Anthony, I thought they should have went on, but you know, when you're coming and you've eight points up and you look like you're in cruise control, and there's a couple of scores come against the run of play. Um, I thought in general, I think Tip would be very happy. I also think that Clare would be very happy coming, Anthony, out of that game. They had a very good win against Waterford. They'll point to the controversies, maybe one of the reasons why they got beaten. Um, but they'll be, like everybody in the back door now, or particularly the Munster teams, I suppose, they're all eyeing up maybe the, the winners of Antrim and Leash, I suppose, if they go into round one. And as you said there, would you prefer a round two game and, and not have to go to the well for another game? There are the things that are going to be trashed out, I suppose, in people's heads. But I think the morale of the team is the most important thing now. And say, so, look, lads, all is not lost. You know, the Munster and Leinster winners at the end of the day, they will get some silverware. But the main prize at the end of the day is the Lee McCarthy at the end of the year. We are still there. We have that opportunity. And it's about getting the head down over the next couple of weeks. And putting the crossing the fingers that the draw works out, and that, that, that everybody now like doesn't it add to the whole season now from a hurling point of view that the back door is nearly as attractive as the front door right now? Yeah, I think uh, you'd be looking across at the football uh, brigade, and you're saying if you had a day like that yesterday, you'd know a back door, then you'd tend to be to be cutting you a good bit more. So there, there is that chance, yeah. and you know for the likes of clear. Yeah. David McInerney got a good bit of hurling into him. Shane O'Donnell will be back in the equation. And I like that, Mark. I was very encouraged at the way they stayed at it and might yeah. have got a goal near the end and could have really brought it down to the wire. So I think there's a lot for Lohan to build on. He has to, he's had to try to take their minds away from controversy all year. So he's just got to do it again now and get them back yeah. on, on track straight away. And and I just and I'd also like to say, Anthony, that um that we all played against Brian Lohan and he was ferocious. As a fullback and as a player, as a clear player, right? And I thought his interview after the game was so honest, it just epitomized him as an individual. And I was really proud to be a GA person yesterday in the way he conducted himself. And I, he was breathing fire because you could hear it through the microphone. But I thought it was a box office interview straight after being beaten in the championship. And I thought Damien Lawler handled the questions for us well as well because. He asked them a couple of difficult questions and there was difficult answers came out of it as well. And it just, it was great viewing for, I don't know how many people watched the match yesterday, but, you know, for a small amount of people that were allowed. And, and also to mention that the GA, that, that we got an increase from three or 400 people on the Saturday, up to 4,000 people or three, whatever the number was. And, and it did add to the atmosphere of it. Um, and I, like TJ, was at the, I was at the Limerick Cock game live and there was only 2,500 people. By God, everybody knew what county they were from uh, and, they, and they were showing their colours because both sets of supporters were getting behind their team on Saturday night. 
Well, they yeah, just had the Lohan's interview with, with box office. It was, and you're right, Damien. Damien was superb as well and kept kept the foot down as well and wasn't afraid. It reminded me a bit of being in team meetings about 25 years ago with Brian Lohan. He'd be like, he'd be like that in the team meeting as well. He'd be, <laughs> be nothing spared, like if he'd be something to say, he'd say it. You know, and, uh, uh, if he'd nothing yeah. to say as well, he'd say, no, nothing to say, nothing to <laughs> So, yeah, uh, yeah it, was, it was interesting. Yeah, the boys in there. There is there is a nice forward line developing there. Like Ian Galvin has made a big difference. Like obviously you said, Colin Galvin already coming back in. Like they're they're definitely building a nice team, and, and like you said, they're heading in the right direction for sure. Um, and fairest mm-hmm. all, Oak said last night you'd hope it wouldn't define their season. What happened? Like so, you know, if they if if they can maybe kind of, and I'm sure Lohan will kind of galvanize them in a way. Like they'll be a threat. They're definitely like. I didn't tip them to be one for the first day out. Like they definitely have improved a good bit. The forwards are definitely moving in the right direction. I said that they were kind of really relying on Tony Kelly. Tony wasn't at his best in the first half yesterday, and they still hurled up a storm. Like it was a good, really good twenty-five minutes hurling in the first half. Yeah. Just like, like uh, Ryan Taylor stepped up as well. Sorry, Hogan. Yeah, yeah just, and I suppose coming from defensive side, you know, and I think you might you referenced it in the last podcast. You can really see the stamp alone uh, and Tracy on that clear side in terms of defensively. You know, I would have. Probably rightly or wrongly, I don't know, the perception with Clare, you know, the last couple of years was if they were going to win a match, it had to be an, an epic shootout. You know, that sometimes defensively they were kind of more interested in attacking than doing the the kind of the nuts and bolts, you know, the, the work that kind of almost goes unseen. Whereas there's a bit of steel, you know, like they obviously have Hayes. The, Flanagan is back, you know, I mean, you know, he was there a number of years ago and kind of went off the scene and always hurling away with Ballier. A great defender had a great game, you know. I think there's there's a bones, you know, a really good half back line there. There was questions over Conlon going back centre back, but you know, he I thought he's you know really done a great job for him a centre back. And I, I just I just felt they're the six backs they kind of they almost enjoy defending first and foremost before kind of you know then I oh, going up the field and throwing balls over the bar or whatever else, which is you know I'd imagine you know something alone would have targeted and really wanted to put his stamp on. So you can yeah, it's the boys' point. You can kind of see a lot of positives around the Clare setup and the Clare team that they can certainly build on, you know, through the, hopefully through the qualifiers, you know. Yeah, so much to look forward to. And I think a fantastic monster final as well to look forward to. And mm. The whole perception out there that, that Limerick have it over tip, like, and I think, you know, from a tip point of view, you can imagine the two weeks of building up to that. Now they'll quickly put behind them any feeling that they got a leg up from a, a refereeing decision they'll they'll be just focused on on a big performance we do we had a massive days hurling um saturday lads all on sky i suppose which disappointed some people that maybe wouldn't have access uh to it um but look them, them's the times we live in i guess um we'll just stay with monster for the time being Um there's no doubt the game of the weekend was was kicking in Wexford, but um funny match uh, tipping and cork i thought Weird one. I thought Cork were doing really well. The two goals were complete soccer punches. I felt very sorry for Sean. I don't know who I have to say because I thought he, he played hurled really well defensively and just to put up his hurley to block that shot like instinctively. And and probably Patrick Collins would have saved it to type of shot it was. And in the blink of an eye, then Kyle has made a run up from wing back and, and sticks to and then you were saying Limerick gonna be hard to peg back. And they were, even though. I thought when it was four points in it there for a good while, the second half, I said, if Cork could kick on and get two quick points here now, we, we oh. could see an upset, but uh, they did enough yeah. and they played out to the line, as John Kiley said. They always play out to the line and, and, and win by seven. But uh, a funny yeah. game, I thought. I'd never really flowed yet. Limerick could be quite happy with it. 
Yeah, yeah I thought yeah. tactically, um, Delo, it was interesting. Uh, obviously, Cork set up very much man marking Morrissey, Gillan, uh, Keen Lynch, and Hego. Like the way the way they set up, right? Which is kind of hard to see sometimes on television, is right. Is Tim O'Man? He just went everywhere where he followed Hego, right? And he was up for the battle because he pulled up one or two aerial balls, marked the early doors, and he let Hego know, "Hey, I'm around for a day here," which was probably good from a car point of view, right? Uh, Damien Callan picked up Shane Flanagan. Don't know who picked up Gillan. Cadigan picked up Morrissey, and then the forwards, they the car six forwards, right? Like for a lot of the game, they tried to position themselves inside their own 45, right? So they pushed right up and brought the six Limerick backs in with them. And they tried to create the gap between the half forward line and the two midfielders in pulled into the half back line. So it was strange at times, like you wouldn't normally see that the gap was between their half forward line and their midfield. They tried to hit space with the puck out. And for me, in that first half, they did an awful lot right. Um, Jack O'Connor got a couple of nice scores. He got a great score off Sean Finn there in front of us. Uh, Kingston got a good goal and like at times Cork I thought Mark moved the ball through the line with pace like Darren Fitzgibbon we know is a Ferrari right he could just just get a, get get going and get scores so I thought from Cork's point of view there was a lot to like about it you'd have to say from Limerick's point of view that they'd be happy it wasn't their best performance with a couple of forwards taken off but you're still winning cozy in the end as you said like they said I, I didn't even though on the 55th minute, Hoggy had a free in front of Kingston, they went wide, did another free. I think Cadigan had a wide there. You, you're asking yourself if they scored in. But at the end of the day, I think they make it 20 wides and Cork at 16. I just felt that in the second half, I didn't feel at any stage sitting in the stands that we were going to lose the game. Yeah, 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 you could, you could say that. But, yeah. but Mark, you, we're probably talking, not, not, we're going to finish, we're shut up about Claire and Tip now in the incident. But you got, <laughs> you got one maybe that wasn't... Quite clear cut either, uh, but didn't no. have to score as yeah. didn't, and then he conceded more with the guy. That was the killer period yeah. for, for Cox, really. Yeah, so like, um, you know, Cox started fierce well, and it was epitomized by the manager on the sideline. I was, I was actually a great view of Keon Kings, and he was up for the battle as well. And I think there was definitely something from a tactics point of view that he wanted to rule the sideline as well because he was very animated on a good number of occasions. Um, you know, both with the, with, the, with the referees and the linesmen and stuff like that. Um, and as you mentioned, uh, TJ, early doors, Tim O'Mahony and Garrod Hegarty had a fair coming together and Keon Kingston went out, jumped out in his back. Like, and I, I've never seen that, I suppose, animation out of Keon before. So certainly Cork were definitely up for the battle, re, a real battle now. They were going to go physical and toe-to-toe with Limerick. But I think, Dela, you've mentioned about turning points and... and the Conor Cahillan situation, I, on the night, I didn't think it was a penalty. And when I look back on it on the television, I definitely didn't think it was a penalty because there was no cynicism whatsoever with Peter Casey's tackle. Um, Conor Cahillan had cut the ball twice already. He was actually running out of runway as far as I was concerned. He was going to be hitting a shot off of his holly, possibly. Um, and I don't think it was a goal-scoring opportunity at that stage. Then to get the penalty and Hoggy to hit it to the goalkeeper's holy side, I was shocked, I'd have to say. It was a reasonably well-struck ball, I would say, but I was surprised that he didn't take the advantage and go to the other side of the keeper where the keeper would have to cross his holy over to save it. So we were two points up at the time. We were a man up at the time, and it would have put us five points up and definitely in the driving seat. Uh, we then conceded two goals in quick succession, I think Robbie Flynn, even though I tried hard 
will have nightmares about when he looks at his individual game himself because the first goal came when he fumbled the ball two or three times in the 21-yard line. He probably should have just made sure. And like that maybe is a forward back in the back line, whereas you know as, as backs, you know you have to get on that ball and secure it, whatever happens. Stage two is when you get the ball in your hand, okay, where am I going to go with it? But stage one is get the ball. Robbie tried to flick it and kick it and all that kind of stuff. Last possession, ball ends up in the net. But the second one was just a disaster. Like, And, you know, lads, when you're talking about goal-scoring opportunities, I watched it back in the video again this morning. When Kyle Hayes picked up the ball, there was three defenders between him and the goalkeeper. So when, we, when we're discussing penalties and sin bins and stuff like that, and just because there's defenders between the man with the ball and the goalkeeper doesn't mean that the ball is going to be saved. And in this incident, like I don't want Canigan even though he's a fine game, he backed off of Kyle Hayes, right? He should have come out to Kyle Hayes and put him under pressure and make him strike the ball at him or through him. But I thought he opened the opportunity by, by backing back. And I thought overall it, it was poor defending both from Robbie that he didn't track him, but all that if there was three defenders there and it was a real kick in the pants right before half time, And it was huge for Limerick. And then that gap was probably there. And I'd have to agree with TJ. I think at no stage did we look like dragging him in. But we held Limerick scoreless for 13 minutes in the second half. And we shot six wides. And if half of them went over, we'd have been very close. And I do believe that the free to Patrick Hogan out, out, out in the 65 near the sideline, he normally would score them. Like, and that was a big blow to Cork. The other thing I would say is that um, I thought Cork's restarts from dead balls were poor, both puckouts, their free-taking overall was poor, they had a lot of wides, and sidelines in particular. They got nothing from sidelines, and in actual fact, Dallas Fitzgibbon hit one straight across the field to a Limerick player, to that or none of it was cleared. So I thought there was a bit, of, definitely a bit of work that needs to be done. And I, I couldn't understand, Tim O'Manny took one in the first half from the half-back line, a score, but what if Mark Coleman wasn't the player that was actually brought up to take it because of the angle, Mark hits the ball from right to left. That was it was a right to left shot. Like so, there was a couple of things, Anthony. I thought a cock got wrong, and the other thing I suppose that it really annoyed me. Um, the real thing that annoyed me you now, and you know, from a school teacher point of view, right? We've all failed an exam, like, but this was an NG you now, right? No grade. Alan Connolly was brought on with a minute to go in the match, right? Like, he's now been ruled out of the under-20 championship for 2021, okay? Now, the way the matches are falling, we've an All-Ireland under-20 final next weekend, which is the 10th of July. We've the first round of the under-20 championship for this year on the 20th of July. And if Cork got a bye to the second round, that match is on the 24th of July, but Connolly, because he was brought on with a minute to go, has been ruled out of that championship match. And that they're playing tip in the first round, and he'd probably be their best forward. I thought it was very, very naive of the Cork management to bring on Connolly so late in the game. And, you know, it was quite obvious with the previous subs that had been brought on, but when Hannity was taken off, the physicality had been taken out of the game. And I'm just wondering where's Dickie Dalton gone in the overall equation here, because to me, it was obvious in the last 15 minutes, the boys that were going into the digital square were coming straight out, that there was no physicality there. And Declan Dalton would have filled that gap. But it's more that Connolly was brought on with time nearly up. It didn't serve any purpose whatsoever, particularly if Cork get a bye to the next round of the championship. That's, 
that doesn't serve the best purposes of car curling that Conley was brought on that late in the game, in my opinion. Marco, just two small things there for me is I thought the puck out strategy was way better than we'd seen in the league. I thought they mixed the long and the short well. I thought Collins got two or three and lovely ones away to Harnady and them. So I, 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 I was impressed with that. I, th- I thought it was enough out of work done there. I thought it was good. And the thing about Connolly, fair enough, right? I have a bigger problem with the rule now than what happened. I think it's a, it's a death. Oh, I, I, I agree. Me. I agree. And, and, and TJ, the first time I saw this was, was three or four years ago when Kerry were denied. David Clifford and Shawnee O'Shea in an All-Ireland under-21 football final. Yeah. I thought it was a disgrace that those lads have played all the ways up along the line with the development squads and the minors and to deny their team the two best players. And like, as we all know, if you're a good under-20 player, you're going to be training with the senior team and you just go back and you play the championship matches or maybe the week of championship, you'll have your two training sessions with the under-20 team. So it's not like there's going to be a massive overload. And that was the reason why it was brought in, is to not overload these lads who could be in college as well, if it's given or, or Sigerson. But to deny a team their two best players or one best player, like Shane Barrett also fell into this category, Anthony, that he also qualifies for under-20 this year with Cork. Now, he was brought on with 15 or 20 minutes ago and had a fine game when he came on. I, I had no issue with that, and, and, and he's the way forward. But Connolly, with a minute ago, I have a big issue with that. Yeah, and um, I suppose we flagged it here before, and I heard a good few lads in Clare complaining last week uh, when Clare were probably six points up to Mark Rogers was brought on. Um, I can only think back again to the 90s when Jarlockan decided to bring... Um, four of the under-21 team up to Crow Park for a training session when they were playing the Munster final against Tip at the same night. We were almost thinking that was a horror show. But I suppose justified by winning the Senior All-Ireland for the first time in, in Donkey's year. So, I don't know. Yeah, it's an awful rule. It's an awful rule that lads have done after play. They were a bit harsh on Cock. Decky thought Hoggy just didn't have a go on day with the freeze, I think, and, and the penalty you'd have to include on that, Brian. You know, he normally... Yeah. He, he, you, we, we, we expect him to click into gear with one long range free and then everything will go over. So taking him off freeze would be a nuclear enough op- option, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. I mean, he's arguably the best free taker, free taker in the country or has been over the last number of years. So I suppose when you're coming up against all Ireland champions, you need to minimise the mistakes and you need to capitalise on all the opportunities. Like Limerick can afford to drive 20 wides and, you know, the, the, the belief in that team, they know exactly what their role is. You know, to, to, to John Kiley, you know, after the match, he was interviewed and he said, bottom line was it was just getting through, you know, the performances and all that are grand uh, uh, later on in the year. But for him, it was beating Cork and getting ready for a Munster final, you know, and going the direct route. For Cork, it was a different situation. You know, they were coming up against the All-Ireland Champions, the season's team. You know, they needed to take every opportunity. They needed Corrigan to hang that penalty you know, and keep the pressure on Limerick and, 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 and not drive 16 wides. And, and you know, as Marcus mentioned, they needed the likes of Robbie Flynn to be switched on. You know, he was marking Kyle Hayes. We all know Kyle Hayes, a bit like Kyle and Lyons for Watford, rampaging up the up the wing. You know, he's there, you know, for a reason. It's his physicality. He's his rampaging, you know, runs up, getting the scores. He just switched off for that split seconds and you know, the damage is done. Um, you know, you're playing against a college team like Limerick. So, yeah, look, I mean, it, I like the way Limerick, or sorry, the Cork lined up. Um, I, I really like the look of their backs, their six backs, which has been a problem area for them. Um, Tim O'Mahony, I think, has really started to kind of bring more of that kind of physical side of his game. He had a couple of wild pulls there in the league in one or two matches. But again, he was kind of 
sitting down a, a marker, if you like, you know, and maybe you got a couple of the, the other players around them, the ball players, if you like, looking at him and going, right, well, you know, I need to follow suit. And obviously we know Cadigan on the other side, he loves that, he, he revels in that kind of physical side of it. And clearly they had targeted Hegarty and Morrissey. And, you know, you'd have to say it worked in, in, in a lot of respects. The two lads were taken off. So Cork had a lot right. But, you know, again, it comes back to if you're going to, if you're going to stop the other and champions, you have to get it. You, you, you nearly have to get everything right, and you can't be leaving scores behind you. You know, when you get a dead ball in front of the goal, Christ, who who do you want taking it? You know, you want TJ, you want Horgan, you know, you want Canning. Um, and unfortunately for Cork, it's those kind of small situations. And I, and I was actually going to ask because I was curious, you know, to get a Mark's view on where was Connolly and Dalton? Because particularly Connolly, you know, we we've discussed it in the club. When we're reviewing it, you know, Black Rock yeah. and 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 we, yeah. you know, in, in the latter ends of the league, I think against Tip, he came on and he made a huge impact. I couldn't understand yeah. why he only came on. So I, I don't, need, I don't think I need to ask that question now. I think you made your view really clear, <laughs> it, so but, we'll move on. But, you know, but on that, Mark, I was kind of, I was saying like that, like why isn't he coming on sooner? No, I wasn't thinking of the twenties because I was just thinking Cork yeah. win the game, and I thought he came on and made an impact in nearly all the league games. And the next thing I see him appear, and I said, "What's the point to bring him on now?" Yeah. Like. What can he right. do at this stage? You know, that, that was my bit yeah. on it. Yeah. And, and the way the league panned out, that is exactly what they did just as well. They just gave him a cameo at the end. Of, and, like, if they were really serious about playing him yesterday against Limerick, I think he should have started against Galway, in my opinion, and give him a real test. There has been He, he didn't get any real tests in the league. And he showed fantastic um, ability during the, the league because he only got about... I'd say 20, 25 minutes in total across the whole league. And he got four goals in that period of time. But it just, it, it, it didn't serve the purpose or any purpose, I thought, bringing him on that late in the game. No, there might be something that we're not aware of and stuff like that. So um, I don't want to be too harsh on him, but like, I don't, I, I really, I really don't see there being any point in bringing him on at that stage of the game. The, the, the other piece, well, Marcus, was is, you mentioned Harnady coming off and he, you know, he's been consistently for years the big ball winner for Cork and the, the physical kind mm. of batting ram, if you mm. like, up front. Now, plenty of hurling as well. I don't mean to, to yes. disparage no, no, that But But in your playing aside, the likes of Limerick, you know, the physicality that they bring, you could see Cork visibly tiring. Now, whether that was the case that the game was starting to run away from them and, and Limerick knew they were kind of, they were out the gate almost, but they were tiring. And at that stage, you need one or two guys, the likes of a Jackie Dalton or a Conley who's, who naturally, it's their natural game to go and win primary possession, take a guy on, you know, just to keep the Limerick lads honest, if you like. And, and yeah. he, he didn't have that, you know. And it's, yeah, I, thought, I just thought Cork missed, you know, and, missed and out there was, a bit. And there was no, you're right. And, and like, there was no, there was a couple of incidents late in the game. I suppose Patrick's free would have been one. That would be an energy sapper. Owen mm. Cadigan's point opportunity, 65 yards out on his own, an energy sapper. Like, Everybody feels that the players, the yeah. management, the spectators, and obviously the opposition are breathing a sigh of relief that the, that that those clear cut opportunities don't go off. So, um, look, there probably is there's more in us. Like, um, I suppose if you wanted to be really critical, Conor Cahillan, in my opinion, should have started on Kyle Hayes. He would do that job that you're looking for. That he would track him everywhere. And that did happen in the second half, but it didn't happen in the first half. I was a bit and Robbie Flynn, you know, if I matched up the two wing forwards, it's like Robbie would be more of a scorer 
rather than somebody that would be doing tracking and doing all that kind of running. And Connor would have been seen the other way around. So I thought those two half forwards should have been on the opposite sides from the get go. Um, fine lines, though, Mark. Fine lines. Like the goal, the goal that Kyle Hayes got, right? If you watch it on the VT again, right? Kyle makes a run. He gambles on Galan winning that ball, right? Like, yeah. if, if Nile O'Leary catches that ball, right? And he feeds it to Robbie O'Flynn, Robbie O'Flynn has. 60 yards in front of him. That's just the way it is. They look, two things. To go back to the point you made, right, about Horgan normally being a dead-eyed dick as you call it yourself, right? Five frees, two sidelines, and a missed penalty. That was like the dead ball situation for Cork. They got no return after eight of them, which is which is a fair amount of That's them, right? And the last thing is, I did think tactically with Keane Lynch, right, and it was easier to see when we were there, Jer Mellerick picked up Keane Lynch every time he kind of left the centre-forward position. Mm-hmm. He man-marked him and they left Willow Dunahoo free. It was an interesting tactic because normally, Dello, as we all schoolers would be thinking, we wouldn't leave a midfielder free. They kept their six forwards in position and they left Willow Dunahoo free and got, got Mark Coleman to sit in the pocket and then Mellerick to pick up. And then when Keane went back into the centre-forward position, Coleman picked him up again and Mellerick pushed on. So I did think there was a lot to like about him. The final thing I'm going to say about Cork, Mark, is I think the under-20 final is huge. I think for the county, Massive. for hurling, Massive. I think I think this team even, I think they need to win the All-Ireland under-20. It'll give the team yes. a boost, a shot in the arm. I think the team is heading in the right direction. There are positives. And the next day out that Cork Sheena hurlers play will be a big gauge for Kieran Kingston and them boys as to where they're going. Yeah, yeah and TJ... Yeah, the Dubs could do with winning that as well, I suppose, they'd be saying, all right, but oh, yeah, yeah and, it is, they'd be the knocking dubs, on the door. The have... Yeah, they've got a huge like, momentum boost oops. in the last 10 days. Like, But TJ, just yes. back, back to the Ireland champions, seven-point winners. Defensively, Dan Morrissey was the one to lose out in, the, in the, the shuffle or reshuffle or whatever you want to call it. Big call, I thought, very big call, the all-star full-back. Yeah, English I... had been superb and... Obviously, the intention was to play Richie English with the amount of time he saw during the league and test out that leg. Um, but Dan Morrissey to lose out was a big one for me. I still think there's room with that Limerick, with Mike Casey supposed to be coming back now in the next week or two. So I hear um, that Cahiers go back up to number 11. I think he'd give it an awful shot in the arm above as well. Yeah, I just think the way the game has gone, I think Kyle really offers more from that kind of pushing on wing back position but to go back to Dan Morrissey I'm just not sure from a training point of view I know he had a bit of a hamstring injury he came off against Galway in the league as to where he was in his preparation right maybe he wasn't exactly where he wanted him to be maybe he didn't get transitions in but look it's a good flexibility to have everybody knows now you're the starting team and a finishing team I think Dan will be full back in time I, I, I don't have any doubt about that whether Mike Casey features or not it probably will be a little bit like Richie English last year. He might come back into the squad and he might be, if absolutely needed, might be able to play 10 minutes. Like, we know at this stage, now coming back from those cruciates takes time. you got to build it up. But look, it's, it's good to have them there. I just think what Kyle Hayes is doing from seven is, is just incredible. Burns was very good as well on the other side. Uh, Dara Dunham chipping in with the goal was huge. And the forwards, Peter Casey, three points from play. Shane Fannigan, two from play. Keane, three from play. Gerard Hegarty, two from play. Nice spread as well. So I would say, as Hoagie said there, John Kiley will be happy. It's job done. It's into a Munster final. It's the, 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 the front door, effectively. And just looking for a little incremental improvement the next day. That's what he'll be looking for, I'm sure. And coming back to the, the tip there, I think I'd say Sheedy's probably pretty happy as well. Yeah. Like the last thing he wanted was, you know, obviously go shoot the lights out against Clare and everyone be talking about tip going in against Limerick and talking them up. 
you know, there's they won't be talking about Tip. You know, the two McGraths had a quiet game. Pawdy kind of had to work his way into the game. There's no doubting the quality that those boys have. And come the Munster final, those lads will be ready. You'll be expecting a big kick from them. So I'd say both managers are probably pretty happy with the way things have gone. You know, as the school report goes, you know, there's plenty of room for improvement on both sides. You know, so it's it's teed up for a nice, nice Royal Rumble in a, in a week or two. Yeah, they had a few just, that struggled you know, on both sides. And the big guys, Brendan, mm, Brendan yeah. struggled as well. Like, and, yeah. and you're saying, will, will he be getting back up? But what a weekend we have to look forward to in two, yeah. two weekends' time. And actually, Massive. I don't think Limerick will be beaten twice. So I think... Whoever it would be, Limerick will have to be like 19, left to be the semi final or the final. Like, I couldn't, couldn't see him being beaten yeah. twice. Yeah, just um, before you go away from the cop game, Anthony, I, I'd um, like I'd like to mention John Melrick, I suppose, and Jack O'Connor, two light, slight lads who I thought made their debuts over the weekend and Hulfi as well. And as TJ mentioned earlier on, like, I think the lads must have been listening to the pod as well because we gave them a shout out. We thought they would be starting. Plus, Sean O'Donoghue picking up Aaron Galan. He was the perfect man marker for him and held him scoreless for the game. I, Sean O'Donoghue has been a really good Tigerish cornerback and um, he had a fantastic game as well. And I just want to, like, I'd say if we were told before the game that, you know, Flanagan, Galan, Hegarty, and Tom Morrissey would all be taken off during the course of the second half, you'd be kind of thinking that you were after mm. winning the game. I thought the cock defence. And they've been much maligned over a long time. I thought they played well as a unit on uh, on, on Saturday, and uh, just a bit disappointed that you know the, the momentum that was got early didn't continue. But there's a lot of fruit. There's a lot. There was a lot to like about what we saw on Saturday, and there might be better days ahead. Yeah, they, they, they are obviously. I think they're very dependent on on the couple of lads staying fit, Harnady and and on Cadigan. I I I've yeah. for them in Kailan. He's taken like, a good bit of old flack over the years from fans and. Keyboard yeah, warriors, yeah. lighted for him. He's a real man, isn't he? He comes back for more. Ah, he all is. The he's, a ge- he, he's a fellow you'd he love to have on game. your squad. Yeah. He loves yeah. the game. He made a big decision a number of years back to commit to hurling. Uh, his dad was a very successful footballer, Nile, before him. And that was a big call for him to make. Um, but he's a great lad. Like He's a great attitude and a fantastic athlete. And you know, look, look, the draw, the draw is so important yeah. for teams that have been beaten now like that is the critical thing like you know but and morale and, we and the draw good 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 oh, that is the last draw but I, yeah. I i think the the point is well made about the under 20 final now next um on the 10th that's a critical mm. final and i know Dale, you, you you would have a graph for the dubs and stuff for that but we need oh. the under 20 final like we right. need that win like because cock is crying out for silverware yeah, probably but in the right way. I mean, you'd be hot favourites, but you've been chasing a few times as hot favourites in minor 20 now, yeah. so oh, there shouldn't be any issue yeah. that way. We, yeah, Saturday was just, it was an incredible game of hurling, year one, Hoagie. Um, it was just, you couldn't take your eyes off it. We, we mentioned Fergal's contribution. Would there be some people critical of the way he refed it? Then they're saying, well, what, what are we supposed to do? So are we supposed to not blow for freeze? Or not? Actually, in fact, I thought... There wasn't a lot of fouling in it, or maybe the borderline ones he just let him go, and we all loved it so much more because of that. Yeah, well, well first of all, I'd like to thank you for bringing me on board to represent the Leinster hurling. You know, um, <laughs> it's uh, it took it, it took it took Leinster hurling to light up the championship. You know, uh, on Saturday, so hurling is back. 
But uh, <laughs> I'll be waiting there for an hour to say that. I know. <laughs> we, knew, we knew that was coming. That's why I said on Thursday, just as I said, Hogan's out with us tomorrow morning. I said, we're going to get it about the Leicester Championship. <laughs> uh, um, to come back to your question, Dello, uh, on the no, look, look, I think certainly I was, ro- I was wrong. You know, I thought there was a couple of instances where, you know, our lads were, were pulled back or, or you know, there, there, there was heavy, heavy tackles or whatever. But, there was there was equally the same on the other side from a Wexford perspective, but I think he was consistent and he allowed the play to flow. There was nothing you could remotely say was was dangerous or anything. It was just it was just very physical. Um, and I think when you let the game flow like that, you're always going to have certain you know moments where you're going, oh, geez, I thought that was a a, a a free maybe or maybe you know, and you'll argue over that. But look, I thought in the grand scheme of the game, it flowed. It was, you know, physical, which we all want, but it was on the ball. It was, it was exciting. It allowed the game to develop, you know, rather than this kind of stop-start, kind of almost set-piece scenario, which we've seen, you know. Um, I mean, look, Christ, the league went by and I couldn't wait for it to be over, to be honest. It, it was the most depressing thing to watch, you know. It just didn't capture the excitement at all. Um, and, you know, there was different reasons for that. But on Saturday, you know, there was... 8,000 there, but you know, it could have, there could have been 80,000. It's just the, the, the way it came across, it, it was just, yeah, it, it was real championship, you know, and that kind of filtered through to the rest of the matches. It started with Galway, Galway, Dublin, and it filtered through into Sunday, and it felt like proper championship, you know, and it kind of, you know, the league was forgotten. Um, so I thought he did a fantastic job, and I think. You know, look, you can see maybe it's our age or whatever, but you know, you saw Brian Wheel and Ken McGrath, you know, all the the former greats, you know, just reminiscent of what a fantastic match. And every and everyone, I think everyone agreed it was a great match. There were extra people, many people alike, you know. Just unfortunately there had to be a loser, you know, uh, the the way the, the spectacle the players put on. Mm, lads, we we were probably thinking of our top trees there a couple of weeks ago. We didn't call them out for whatever reason, but we didn't have the cats. A lot of us didn't have the cats in our top three. He, I was, he I was keeps on doing it. I he heard keeps it on doing it, doesn't he? <laughs> I, I'm guilty, guilty, Brian, Brian. Brian, just a quick question for you. Is this a new Cody? Dummy team, conceding sharp puck outs. Well, well unbelievable. It? Funny you say, I, I thought that was a mad decision in the first 15 minutes. Um, and actually, they were roaring into Adrian Mullen to get, to get the word across to the rest of the forwards to push up after about 15, 20 minutes. I couldn't understand it. If you watched the leash match and you were talking about it there in the last podcast where Cheddar allowed the leash to back off and let Wexford develop, it was madness, you know. And it's not Kenny's style either, you know, to, to allow to concede a puck out. It's not something we've we've ever done, you know. But they changed it and they changed it, you know, within 15, 20 minutes, just shortly after the water break. The message got into Adrian Monday, they pushed up, and that was a significant change in terms of how the match panned out from there. And it's much more kind of what I suppose Kenny are comfortable with. Um you know, talking to one or two of the lads after, the, you know, particularly an extra time, they said they could see the years falling off Brian. He looked 20 years younger by the time it was yeah. over because he take more satisfaction out of that type of win than if we'd won by 12, 15 points. You know, he, he, he'd almost disregard that kind of win. But that game, they're the sort of games that, you know, give him a new lease of life. And I think I mentioned the Limerick match a couple of years ago, the same kind of scenario, you know. And intensity was incredible. Dello, yeah. how good is TJ Reid in the tackle? Jeez, he'd, he'd take the eye out of your head and he'd come back for the socket. Like, wouldn't he? He's unbelievable. He just flicks the ball away. He wins so much of that ball. It's, like, mm. He's as good a player as I've ever seen to dispossess an opponent. Yeah, he. I'd say he spins any hour. He has free 
in the gym as well. I know he owns the gym, but he's so yeah. physically strong. I mean, even some of the overhead catches, Les, they're just complete strength, aren't they? Like, the, he can hold off his opponent legitimately. He can just hold yeah. off a strong man like Macho Hanlon, let's say, and, and create enough space. And then the reach he has on top of it. And then, then of course, the, the hurling brain he has. That's the part. And the selflessness, because although he does rack up huge scores, it doesn't bother him if if he doesn't get the scores. He, he's oh, all the time team. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, look, they were, they were very good. Um, I don't know if we've lost Brian a couple of issues there with, with the phone, but... Would his thinking be a bit changed? You, you spoke about that thing at the start and the dummy team. I think he did a dummy team against Wexford two years ago because I asked him to McAvoy and he was able to tell me, he said, no, 19 against Wexford. He did a dummy team as well that day. But let's, is he more conscious now of holding back a couple of lads, like holding back John Donnelly, which was a shock for me, but the impact then, of course, of these guys, uh, Walter, um, is he more conscious now that you have to finish with your strongest 15 in a change for Cody as well. I think so. Yeah, I think could, the, the yeah, energy required, Mackie, for that 50 minutes, I, I, I think definitely. The other thing I was going to say before I go into that was Paddy Deegan's hit on Lee Chin. Don't forget, don't forget about that. Have you ever faced something like that before where there's a tank coming at you? Unbelievable. Well, I, 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 to go to your point, I do think so. I, I, I think he was conscious of it. I think it was probably in their head to introduce those two guys at the time that he introduced them. So it is a new Cody. Deegan, Deegan's a hardy boy, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's tough. But, he's not but, for going back in there. But it's the honesty of it, Anthony. It's the honesty. Mm. Like, you know, like you just expect to go out and you drop your shoulders and you get into it. And, like, just the admiration that I have for Brian Cody, it, it just knows no bounds. Like, he has reinvented the Kilkenny style or Kilkenny hurling. And about this about his fifth or sixth time now reinventing um, a different pattern of play. I think the last two or three years, there was a bit of frustration around short puck outs in particular would not be a Kilkenny style. It's a case of get the ball down to the forwards. We'll challenge for the air. It's going to either drop behind or drop in front, have two men there, one in front, one behind, and scrap like hell for that ball. But to see him going short with puck outs, that was alien to Brian Cody. So... That has, shows uh, how much he is uh, willing to change and, and, and adapt to what's a modern or how, how the game is evolving and so forth. I still don't particularly like it myself now, I will say. Um, but then, not to name three players on the starting 15. Plus, the Kilkenny team is nearly always out, I would say, Brian, on a Thursday or early Friday. Friday. I don't think I saw... Am I right in saying that that team wasn't announced until pretty late? It wasn't around, I don't think, Friday night. Um, yeah. Again, something that, that Brian Cody, uh, I saw it involved when I was involved with Cork, like that Jimmy always insisted that we would have the match, the team out on Wednesday night. I said, Jimmy, they're, they're in the team in the country announcing the team on Wednesday night. Don't give the opposition an opportunity to look at your team and size you up, like, you know, and like the closer it gets to the match, the less time you have to think and prepare and make changes. So, that was definitely something that 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 Kilkenny have brought that wasn't there for the last number of years. No, they, they, they Huggy, def- you spoke yeah, about the league, Huggy. You spoke about the league, um, and there's some contrast in Wexford, isn't there? <laughs> like the Wexford are back to the 19 farm, um, and so many of their big yeah. players like Chin. I know he cramped up at the end. What a performance by Chin as well! I thought overall. Yeah, look, I mean, 
it takes two teams to put on a spectacle like that, you know. Um, and Wexford played their role, you know, admirably. Um, you know, from the first 20 minutes, Rory McCarthy was was on fire. You know, he scores out on the sideline. And obviously, Jack came on and he scored a, a worldie out on the other sideline, you know. And Chin there, just the athleticism he has, you know. And I mean, the style of game that they have, it just, you know, it, it, with a running game, it just wasn't sustainable for for the, the full the extra time. And I think it caught up with them. Now, I obviously have to give... Is that what happens? Do you think that's what happens, well, Hoggy? People, well, people speculating about that. I don't look. I'd have to give. I'd have to give a lot of kudos to, 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 to our S and C guy as well. He's from my own club, uh, Mickey Com- Michael Comfort. Um, he was all involved with us when we won the last county title. You know, he had big boots to fill when he went in to take over for Mick Dempsey. Um, you know, and obviously Mick being there for for years, you know, and had it down to a T. And you know, again, like everything, when when you're new, there's questions asked, you know, and there was questions asked last year all about the condition of the players, this, that, and the other. Whereas I think the lads, you know, for him, it's a great feather in the cap. They showed. I think only only. It was only on Cody who went down with a cramp for us, you know, and they had to take him off. The rest of the lads, like you mentioned, Paddy, Paddy Dean got a ball in, in injury time of extra time. He went off and went off in a run like a lunatic up the middle, full of energy, as if it was the first minute of the game, you know. So, so huge credit has to go to the lads. But, but yeah, look, Wexford. I mean, I, I, I think, I think once Kilkenny, once Wally got that goal, once Kilkenny got got their noses in front, and it was going to be whichever team got that bit of luck. Wexford had the break, and Murph pulled off an unbelievable save. You know, it went up the other end of the field. Kenny just got their nose in front, and you could just see the physical exertion that Wexford had put in, and then the mental trauma of conceding that goal. They were done. That was it. It was gone. They couldn't pull it back, and you know, there was you couldn't you couldn't really fault them really. But uh, geez, yeah, like look, Liam Ryan, you know, some match, mm-hmm. Matthew Hallen had a right battle with TJ. Was you know, was you were saying, look, TJ was was quiet by his standards but not quite because he was always in the in the game and always you know putting tackles in etc but then in second half in the first couple of minutes of second half he pinged over a couple of balls you know and it was there's TJ again you know um, mm. but Mark you mentioned you know the way that Brian has evolved and he has in terms of the way you know the, the, the lads are playing the game but the one thing that doesn't change is what he expects from the players in terms of work rate and you know you were yeah. mentioning how Robbie Flynn just switched off for those couple of minutes against Limerick on Kyle Hayes that would be, you know, that would be unacceptable. Like, you know, Brian Cody would not tolerate that. You know, like, you know, there's players who maybe have fallen by the wayside in Kenny because the penny just didn't drop with them in terms of what he wanted as a base. You know, he knows he yeah. can score points, but you need to do the dirty work. And, Correct. you know, that's that's something he would hone in on if he was at the other side of the camp. But, uh, yeah, look, huge credit obviously has to go to him. But I still think there's a, I still think there's a number of question marks on the Kenny side as well. They're no, by no means a finished article, you know. There's yeah, a lot of class in the team now, though, Brian, isn't there? Like Owen Cody, Reed, Mullen. They're definitely classier, I think. I, 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 I was trying to tot it up. I didn't get a chance to. How much of the scorers came from the Ballyhale contingent? Like, <laughs> you wonder why it's so hard to win a county championship with Kenny when you've got Owen Cody, uh, Adrian Mullen, TJ Reed, you know, you know, and, and I don't know what Richie I was Reed. out Richie Reed, and then the Dara Corcoran starting wing back as well, you know, and some would argue that. You know, like Dara had a great game, but you've got other lads from the Bally Hill, like Darren Mullen there, who's pushing hard. But yeah, like, look, I, I still think there's Richie Lahey starting midfield. He didn't go well. He's had a couple of opportunities. You know, James Marr came in, made a big addition. You know, he needs to, to push on. I, I still think at half back. You're not the finished article, like. But 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 Anthony, he also like the, he mentioned the three scorers there, right? Mullen and Cody and TJ. But then you put in Massey, Keown, Walter, and John Donnelly. Like what you're getting is you're getting three beasts on your team 
that could just stand in under the ball, thanks very much, put up the hand and actually secure possession. And I think that is a huge help to some of the other players around them. But like, when Cody and Mullen are not small by any manner of means, and they're, they're, they're physically, and I, and I would make that point, Owen Cody in particular, I can remember him playing three years ago with Kearns and Bally Hale, actually, he got the goal against um, Bally Gunner in, the, in, in that match that, in the muck. Mm. He was mm. a slight little boy then, but he's a little tank now. And that is down to the strength and conditioning and the, you know, the backroom that, that Kilkenny have done for their players. And, and he is the man that will take over the, the mental from TJ Reid, in my opinion, going forward. And we mentioned himself and one of our young hurlers of the year. We did, we did, even though we didn't fancy him, we did reference that they have forwards that are capable of scoring and doing damage. And, and when you have them, you'll stay in most games. Yeah, and TJ, is it written in the stars now that we're going to have a clear Wexford ginormous qualifier in Port Leash or somewhere again? Which that's exactly what it looks like. Looks like you'll be on the card. <laughs> I wouldn't let you play Lohan next to that. Whatever put David Pitts, I'd say whoever comes around Lohan next. Um, there are two, two other small things from the game. I'm just wondering what will Fergal's report card read? from the powers that be. Like, we all think it was a 10 out of 10. We loved it. It was in the spirit and the mood of the game, and it suited the game, right? But I'm just saying, what, 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 what will his report card read number one? And number two, I tipped Wexford. Actually, my tipping deal at the moment is absolutely horrendous. I'm, like, I think it's two out of six or seven or something, right? But I thought that Davey had this lined up from a long way out, and he did. He did, right? And it looked like he got everything spot on. They could have won the game, but Cody was ready. Uh, and I suppose being championship ready, as Brian said there, that step up and that difference between the league, he was ready for it. And I'm just have this vision in my head, right? We're all talking about Limerick and Galway being one and two, and everyone else is in the pack, and we're talking about Waterford and Corks. And I'm just wondering, driving out of Crow Park and sad evening, is Cody kind of hmm, kind of smacking away at himself? I kind of have you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I definitely got that sense definitely after the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they're they're bang there. There's no doubt about it. Um, an epic. Uh, I was think uh, is best game maybe since eighteen. In some ways, um, you know that we think of that brilliant weekend in eighteen of the two semi-finals yeah. the Saturday and Sunday. I thought that was the best game since then, and it. I think it could be bubbling up now. That's with the crowd starting to come back. How much that means yeah. to the, even yesterday in the Gaelic grounds, like it was like being at kind of a big monster minor match in the Gaelic grounds. You know those ones where the, the Mackey stand is nicely full and a nice view at the far side, and that creates a great old atmosphere, and we can look forward now, I think even the qualifiers are going to be going to be great games, you could imagine a Wexford Cork or a Clare Galway brilliant, brilliant atmospheres in, in, in compact enough places as well it could be, so I think it's it's unreal lads, you know, massive fun I suppose to start off the day on, on Saturday uh, so thrilled for Matty Kenny. Uh, sorry for Shane O'Neill. I don't, don't particularly take any pleasure in anyone winning and losing. Uh, gone mellow at this hour of my life. But to, to think before the match with the league form and the talk and a lot of the talk about last year's semi-final and maybe how they kind of threw away last year's Leinster final. That was the narrative. That Galway would only hit 114. It is a fair achievement by, by Matty Kenny's men and the tenacity which they played and the leadership they showed all around the field. It was it was a huge result for Dublin. Yeah, massive. I mean, you're looking at the stats, you know, and, and possession-wise, just pretty balanced, you know. Uh, 51%, 49%. 
hookouts, uh, you know, all pretty balanced. But I think it was the execution on the Dublin side, you know, the efficiency in terms of, you know, or if you wanted to look at it from the other side, the lack of efficiency from a Galway perspective. They draw some some terrible wides, some really un- uncharacteristic wides. Uh, you know, and I don't know, it just, to me, looking at it, I just felt Galway were coming up to play a match, whereas Dublin were coming up to play a championship match. You know, it just, Galway were playing, uh, someone made a reference actually, it was like Belgium and Italy um, in the soccer, if you watched it, where Belgium, you know, had all the star players, if you like, but as a unit, Italy, you know, were just a team, a proper team, you know, and the Dublin lads just, you know, just tore in the work rate, you know, the, the workout out of the likes of uh, Conor Burke in midfield and Dara Gray and all these guys in the tracking and that. They just, they just wore Galway down. I don't think Galway, well, it looked like Galway just didn't have the stomach for it, you know. I mean, I don't know, maybe that's been a bit harsh in Galway, but but you know, they have to give huge credit to Dublin and, and the way they approached the game, their puck out strategy, you know, Alan Nola there in the goal, apart from the saves he pulled off, you know, just the way he almost, you know, quarterback things from the back, you know, and they were really impressive, you know, and, and I suppose it's taken a bit of time to put that kind of almost that Kula stamp on things, if you like, you know, but I could see a lot of similarities with the way Kula set up and the way Dublin have set up, you know, under Matty Kenny and that they, you know, they defend in numbers and defend deep and then, you know, have huge pace and, you know, really kind of attack in direct lines, you know, um, and, it's, it, you know, it, it's really impressive. And I think they're going to cause Kilkenny a lot of problems, you know, um, in the lesser final. I wouldn't be up by any stretch of imagination right in Dublin off. No, I think I think it's a fair, it'll be a fair battle again. I think one of the things for me, Mark, maybe I, I'm gone out of there now since the end of 14, like, but for me, like, Danny Sutcliffe, whatever way he didn't pull with Joe Cunningham, let's say, didn't... Mm. Having Sutcliffe back to where he was as a 21, 22 yeah. year old, yeah. for yeah. me, like Parik Mannion would be Galway's best defender. I would think in lots of ways. Maybe other people would say Di Bork, maybe. But I like Parik Mannion for me is a real driving force for Galway. And look, I've no doubt Galway are going to have a big say yet in the year. But the way Sutcliffe went about taking on that challenge, and so I'm the leader here for Dublin. I need to step up yeah. and take you on and yeah. put my stamp on this game, not allow you. Yeah. to put your stamp on this yeah. game. I thought that really was a signal from the get-go. It was. And to be fair to Danny Sutcliffe, he's had a good league as well, um, mm. Anthony, so far this year. Mm. But to the quality, like we saw him five or six years ago, he was able to go into the sky and bring a ball down independent, has the pace to take on his men. And then whether it was left or right, it didn't make any difference to him. He can shoot for scores or cross-field balls and stuff like that. So Danny Sutcliffe was excellent. Uh, at the weekend and you know if you're to win any game you need your big game players playing well and I thought Chris Crummy and Ronan Hayes Donald Buck as well to a certain degree all of them contributed to the Dublin success um, but I suppose the placing of Liam Rush back in the pivotal number six position I think has also given them you know a focal point um, and he's kind of a little bit like a director of the orchestra now at the moment, you know, because he's got a lot of young lads. And Owen O'Donnell, obviously, fullback, has been probably one of the most impressive fullbacks in the game at the moment. It'll be a travesty if the Leinster final loses out on him if he if he won't be available to to Dublin. He'll be a big, big loss, and he'll be a mate. Like massive, you massive. couldn't you just imagine the matchup with him and TJ Reid now in the Leinster? Like that's a game that you'd go to just to see the matchup of the two boys marking each other, yeah. but. I thought, Anthony, like Dublin were brilliant now. They were brilliant and everything worked for them. But I thought 
and, and I referenced to Stephen Bennett, Mr. Foss Free against um, Clare and Ward, and I thought it set the tone. I thought Joe Canning going for the goal with the first puck of the game more or less kind of epitomised Galway's attitude, I think, in the whole. Like, early in the game, okay, there was, I know that the lads referenced in the Sunday game, that there was three in the post, but like the penalties are still being struck from outside the 21-yard line. I'd be shocked if a fellow would get a goal out of that, and I'd be shocked if the three lads were, we said, Dawson or not looking and not watching Joe Canning. So I thought from the get-go, Galway's decision-making was just so poor and... Then for Joe to miss three 65s over the course of the game and to end, hand over the free-taking to Evan Nyland just epitomised, I thought, Galway's overall performance. But it was decision-making, Anthony. Late in the game, Porygmanion came up. There was four minutes left. He had a handy 50-yard shot. I thought he should have knocked the ball over the bar and bring it back to a goal. And in hurling, as you know, anything can happen in three or four minutes. I just and that malaise that was over Galway all day long, I think, continued for most of the game. Yeah, um, and that's I think Shane O'Neill refuses afterwards that they lacked hunger. And I, I think you're right, Mark. I think just kind of decision making or just not being, as Hoggy said, not being yeah, championship yeah. keyed up. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. really, really I, coming to say this crowd are coming to war, we better meet them head on in the war front. It, yeah. tough job to pick them up TJ or they just have so much quality that they will pick it up um, they have a huge amount of quality like we spoke about the strength of their panel and I thought at one stage maybe at the end of the league that their panel might be the strongest in the country um, the questions that will face the boys now is they move to Highbrook to six do they stick they move George to the middle of the field do they stick uh, their forwards to me are very good but they're jumping here, there, and everywhere. And sometimes, I think Brian has said this in the past, when you jump here, there, and everywhere, do you kind of exonerate a little bit of responsibility rather than kind of hold it down in a set position? They lack something, whether it is, I don't know, like, uh, would you play Joseph Cooney at centre-back? I know you have him. I've seen him playing centre-back for his club. I thought he was awesome. I think he's better than that. Back then, I know he's a ball winner and a half forward. They just have so many decisions, like Gerard McInerney, like Padraig Mangan has played in the middle field, half-back and centre-back. Shane Cooney has played centre-back, cornerback, midfield. An awful lot of players. And there's just a little bit of a lack, like Brian mentioned already, about the kind of stability in some of the defences in the Clare's defence that kind of just has stood up. And there's something wrong here. Like The key stat here for me is, yes, the first half went wrong. Yeah, Joe did have an off the end of freeze. Yeah, they missed whatever... 10 or 12 or 15 scored hence in the first half. But Conor Whelan scored a goal in 43rd minute, which made game two-point game, right? After 43 minutes, still, we've all been involved with teams where we've had a flat period or a sluggish period. And then you kind of test the mentality of your team. And the good arses or the good players on a non-going day, they find a way. That's I've seen Kenny good teams down through the years, car teams in the past. When it wasn't going for them, you just find a way. And the weekend leaves a question mark for me about where they're going there. There's a question there. Yeah, of course, they could still have a big say in it, and they can do it. But it's a question mark for me now. Yeah. I, I, Momentum, of I, I course, if they could get a win or two up, you know, and yeah. settle the team, I think that would be huge but for them. I, I think they made a big decision by playing Adrian Tui wing forward. Um, and leaving Evan Nyland on the sideline for me was probably... 
a poor decision as well as it turns out now because he is a scoring forward. He's also back up for as a free taker. That is a big decision to make if Joe Canning and Evan Nyland were on the field to play. Would who would take the freeze? And it's strange to say this. Like, did was there a little bit of pressure on Joe Canning? The fact that he missed the three sixty fives. You know, did he think that maybe Evan Nyland was the right person to start? And that does, I don't know. Does that play in fellas' heads? I certainly felt that Evan Nyland should have been on the starting fifteen. The other thing that I thought is that Garrod McInerney, lads, seems to be after losing a bit of pace, and I think that's why Dahi Burke has gone out to centre back and McInerney's gone in full back. Um, I, I saw it against Cork as well. He struggled on Hernandy early in the game, and there was a switch there. And but you'd be there, better there off. You'd few... be better off centre back, Mark, if the pace was going than well, full yeah, back. Because the likes yeah, of Ronan Hayes is lightning off the mark. Yeah. Maybe maybe because maybe because Ronan Hayes is so fast, then that makes Garrod look looks slightly off the pace. I suppose it's a little bit like Padraig Maher playing full back at the moment. I I I'd have a big question mark whether some, that's going to suit him or not. Sometimes, Mark, when your head is not tuned into a game, you can look sluggish. You can look slow. Correct. You know. Yeah. When you're when you're right. tuned in, when you're tuned in, you're you're just breaking for those balls. You're you're, sharp. you're you're on. You're sharp. Exactly. But I like and again like Park Mannion. He's one of these guys who's a specialist to sideline balls, you know, and he hit two balls up along the line, you know, really poor sidelines, which you'd never see, you know, aside from obviously Joe missing a few frees, which can happen, you know. Um, but just even the balance of the team. You've mentioned Dahi and McInerney switching, but like all the forwards that we always hear about that Galway have, and yet we're playing Adrian Tuhi and Cooney in the forwards. Yeah. It just yeah. I, it just didn't it didn't marry for me, you know, whereas Dublin seemed to have a much clearer purpose and Obviously, Matty, Matty Kenny has been saying in interviews about building and working towards this, you know, and uh, this, I suppose, developing this team. And they all seem to be very clear in terms of what their uh, their role was. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously, Dara Gray picked up a couple of points. But as soon as Alan Nolan got the ball, the movement, you know, in terms of getting getting into position, getting the ball, you know, and moving it through the lines, you know, it was very clear, a clear purpose from Dublin, which I just didn't get the sense from Galway it was the same. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. A few lads, you're here over busy few weeks here in the pub, and a few lads just saying that Galway will will win it this year. That Galway are no head of Limerick, and how how quickly the whole thing can can shift. I, w- yeah. I wouldn't be ruling them out in any way. Yeah. Um, great. What a weekend to look forward to, lads. In 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 two weeks' time, you know, massive game next week, obviously with Antrim and Leash for their survival. Yeah. And you would say not being down on Cheddar's men now, but for what all the good Antrim did in the league. Be nearly a travesty if, if they lost the status of the Lee McCarthy again. But um, uh, the two provincial finals and uh, the qualifiers then kicking in, and um, massive stuff to look forward to. Um, Mark, you you shot into an early lead there in the fantasy hurling there last Saturday evening, but you're coming back down the pack there straight away. You're mid table. I know the wooden spoon that was probably not concerning you. Uh, it's between. <laughs> It's firmly between myself and the COVID stone from a lot Yeah. But like, well, no, time, tis, tis worrying, Matt, to go off from first to fifth. And <laughs> no, steady, steady, steady. Myself and Pam Mull have a strategy, whether you know it or not. But we did spot the anomaly that Antrim and Leash will be playing next weekend, Delo. So I think from this star lineup that we have in front of me there, I think there's only one person has one player from Antrim maybe that will be scoring next weekend whereas Matt Gaw 
and the Honda Queen have two players involved, Mr. McManus and Mr. Clark. So 382 versus 404. I'd be confident enough, Dela, that we'll be back in the number two slot. And if McManus will have a right good day, we could be up there with the Laura Flyers. So I, I say all oh, is the last Dela now. I was talking to Darren Gleeson there in Limerick yesterday saying that Neil Neil put up pulled up with a a, a quad in a training <laughs> match Saturday, so I think he could be out for that there. But oh Yeah, no, I I was I had a good all week, but I kinda of did a bit of gambling as I, I put in Connor Cooney as my captain, thinking he might snipe a couple of goals, but then when I saw how far out from the goal he was, I said, I'm in trouble here. So yeah. yeah. No. Hoggy, we, we need to make uh, changes, but we can't yeah. make them for a while. <laughs> Her, Her, pa- pa- Patrick Horgan let me down. They were all going well. Kyle Hayes popped in with a nice goal, yeah. and TJ yeah. did his bit, and everything else. Yeah. Bloody Hoggy with the penalty and the couple of frees. I was like, I thought that would get me over to get me up one or two positions anyway. <laughs> yeah, and I don't mind finishing last in this one, Les. I say no, I've been dominating this <laughs> kind of thing, you know. So I look at that, in fairness to Larry and myself, I didn't I didn't mind. Like Larry seems to be taking a, a back seat. And, oh, he's posted up a little message to say he has three next week. So we could have <laughs> we could have we could have the tip fillers at the top too, you wouldn't know. Um our listeners, our listeners league. Hurler on the ditch by is still going well. <laughs> by God. Huh? And he will tell us about it uh, on Twitter. I suppose he did already. Uh, great score in uh, 209. A massive score in for Michael McCarthy, 224. And, and Davey Lahart, uh, 236 in the one week. He must have had everyone. So tight at the top there. Well done uh, to the Erognina man. Um, he's an interesting, always an interesting guy to, to follow on Twitter as well. Uh, not afraid to. John O'Connor had some score there, like 288 points from Hartford. Yeah, 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 yeah. Unbelievable. I think he said it. I think he, I think he said it as well on Twitter. I think I spotted him saying that, John. Well done. And I see Shan Hassett there as well from Drummond Inch. Good Joel man. Um, would be would be giving a hand with Brian Lohan, I'd say, here and there with the clear team. So good stuff, good way to go. And um, I suppose the next round of transfers will be. Um, Hugely important. I, kind of said, I said Hurler in the ditch wouldn't be top this week, Dello. So um like who, who goes with the name Hurler? Why do you just put his name to it? But anyway, I kind of said he wouldn't be top this week, so I need a bit of humble pie there. So I had to hope the other boys get ahead of him so that to prove me right. As I said, my skipping at the moment is, is is really struggling. John O'Connor is actually um um actually a garish blandman now, really. I'm surprised he's got hospital herbicide still down there as his club. Um and the other thing is in the under eleven I see another living man, Evan Carroll is flying it uh, from the Monlean under eleven. I think he's the top of the junior pile. So good crack. I can't believe I put in Sean Laftis ahead of Kyle Hayes. Again like you Dello, I thought Laftis would pick off a couple of scores. I thought it'd be a handy win over Dublin. So yeah, it's kind of my match tipping at the moment. Like my wife said to me last night, John Laftis ahead of Kyle Hayes. You mad you mad <laughs> yeah, no. it seems very easy to do it on the Sunday night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But uh, TJ, we'll get your act together before Belly Brit, will you? I know. We need, we need, we need to get an old tip, yeah, because are we, are we going talking about the Queen? Uh, no, I, I'm fed up with talking about her because we don't yeah, get the no proper... Right. Once we've got the, the proper information to say back her <laughs> and she delivered. The last day again, she was just out for a gallop. Up she comes. Fella saying to me I, in Turles, oh, do you not back her? I backed her. You know, so... Fella Meech told him to back her. Yeah. yeah. Go yeah. Nice prices yeah. and everything. Yeah. Well done, Mark. Yeah, congrats, congrats, Mark. Thank congrats. you very much, lad. She, she's, she's some little uh, daisy, isn't she? she, she does, it like be, does it feel like to beat J.P. McManus in a photo finish? Well, I, I, I was hoping it was going to be a little bit like the hollow match on Saturday. We'd just get up by a nose, like, you know, <laughs> a point would have done, but, you know, 
the fact she missed out the second last and the jockey Shane Fischl said it probably cost her a length but he balanced her again and she pinged the last as the JP's horse to be fair and the two of them pulled away there was two and a half lengths back to the third but to get a nose in front and to end like you TJ at the match I was there I travelled on my own to support that the Queen and the trainer um, but it was absolutely fantastic to get the nose in head and um the, the plan she, is now what she, to do with her next. She has great heart, like, didn't she? She has great heart. Ah, yeah, but she, like, she, she won in Tremor over a mile and a half on the flat as well. She won by a short head from Dennis Hogan's house and another stride she was beaten. Like, so she, she can find the... Uh, she knows what the winning line is, Dela. But, um, we'll be, we'll a, be going to Belly Bridge shortly. The, well, the plan is... Um, he texted me there this morning that she's, she's bucking and lipping and he wants to go to Sligo next weekend. Uh, there's a mayor's... There's a mayor's race there now, and um, I'm hoping for Galway myself personally. There's a mayor's race there for 30 grand. If she was only second or third, she'd pick up a good few quid and stuff for that. But um, I'm going to Galway with a long time. There's, there's, um, there's a group of us there from uh, there's a lad from Donegal, and McCormick, and there's a couple of lads from Kildare, um, Glen Ryan, and Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Rocket, Eddie McCormick, mm-hmm. and a couple of lads from, from down. In, in Killer or in Cali Tool, terms of Tom O'Brien, eighteen years we're going to Belly Bruce. So I had um, I had one year off there. My son Matthew was born on the thirtieth of July, a couple of five years back. So that was the only I I I won't say I have unbroken service, but I've a lot of service there. So I'd love to have a runner in um, in Galway. But this week now is all about the Queen's half brother, the toothpicker. Toothpicker who makes his debut next Friday night in Mallow. So he should be entered up today and we'll be, you know, Jamie Codd, if he's available, is intended to ride it. So fingers crossed um, he can do the business. But it will be a big ask for a, for a horse to come out and win the first time out in a bumper. But the Queen, I wouldn't known, have expected three years ago. Absolutely, absolutely. He has the work done. And the question is now whether he'll be able to produce it on the, on, on the, on the field of play. Okay, guys, you got it all there. The toothpicker, did you? Toothpicker, yeah. Dylan, before we go, I just need to give a shout-out to uh, my old buddy in Galway, Kevin Lally. They had a great win on Friday night. The Galway Lashers on the 17 team, they looked incredibly strong. They kind of ran a muck against Limerick in the last quarter. But look, a fine team again, that Galway team, like really, really strong. I think they're playing Kilkenny, uh, Brian, in the final uh, next Saturday. Okay. So. Uh, next Saturday, so a yeah, good win for Kevin. Do you know I want to say there, Lewis? Any little bit of fertilizer or water down there? The old pitch looked fairly hungry or something there on Friday night. Did you see it in telly? Where the park? Yeah, I didn't see the match. No, I didn't see the match. I was caught up. Um, uh, no, I didn't see Pajuccini. I'd be surprised to hear that, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's a few given out about Crow Park as well, Dad. They were given out about you mentioned the sidelines, Brian. There was yeah. a few given out that it was kind of bare along the sidelines. I don't know. I don't know. This was unreal, anyway. I'd have to say, yeah, okay, grows up well too. Sorry. Just, just saying. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, I met Mike Ridden beforehand. He was very happy with his surface. So, yeah, yeah, all was good. Will, the Munster, will the Munster final go to Cork, lads? Sure, it has it to be. Say, it has to has been, no, it is. It's fixed. It's 4.15 on Sunday week in Cork. Yeah, it's fixed. So, the Leinster final is the cotton rails. Is that what you're saying? I forgot Saturday evening. Saturday evening, yeah. What's Saturday evening, is it? Saturday yeah. evening, yeah. yeah. It, all yeah. oh, right, okay. Ah, but that's good though, and I th- that'd be good, I think. And I'll t- alternate who has the I'll Sunday and second year, like yeah, Will there be an increase in the numbers? Will there be an increase in the number to be allowed to attend? 
Hopefully. I'd say so. I'd say so, yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully. Win well, yeah. That'd be a big thing, wouldn't it? Tort, tort. Okay, yeah, let's... Before, um, go, before, no, before I go, let's go, let's go back Customers want to come in the door in a minute, TJ. Good, good, good. Let's go back to the um, this rule. What's what's the way forward? I don't think there's too much wrong with the rule. I agree with Brian Lohan on that. I just think the interpretation got to be sure. And like I just... My final thing on that, I'm going to mention it again. Like It's just... It's just a, a call by James that he just decided, oh, do you know what, I'll give a penalty here and I'll put off your man. I, for me, the other ones, you could debate them. You could debate the Shane Fives on, you can debate the Peter Casey ones. You know, could there be, like Aaron Shannon or Bisdy shot past the post, was Catalan about to, you know, may, use a drop puck and put it in the roof of the net? But from where Luke Morris was, he, wasn't, he wasn't, or Jack Morris was, he wasn't <laughs> wasn't going to be a goal unless there was a freakish series of events, as Hoagie said. So mm. I don't think there's too much wrong with the rule. I think we go back to Adrian Toohey's rugby tackle on Jamie Callanan last year for the tip people in case they think it's it's nothing to do with tip the whole thing, actually. But Jamie's bearing down on goal to put tip into the lead and Adrian Toohey just, you wouldn't see it in Tom and Park, the tackle. And that's what we brought it in for. And you mentioned the Danny Sutcliffe one. That was a good bit further out, I suppose. Yeah. That's the kind of thing. But, yeah. but the Adrian Toohey one was the perfect example of why we needed something. Um, on Murphy's one, as we said, the perfect example. He took the chance that okay, I'll be gone for 10 minutes, might I'll be back, and he was back. And what an impact he made! But that Darren Brennan would go in and save the penalty, and it wouldn't be too much damage done. So, I think we need the rule. I don't think there's too much wrong with it. I just think a bit more common sense to be applied, Tidge. Yeah, there's a bit of a correlation between Neffet and that referees association or something at the moment, isn't there? Just kind of using the power and the kind of just controlling the situation and they need to listen to the people a bit more, I think. Well, you have the right. Send us up. Send us up and we'll sort out that. We're, we're available. <laughs> All right, thanks to Reno. Uh, Hoagie, thanks a million for joining us. The cats are back. Uh, no pleasure. A pleasure, lads. Thanks, as always. Great, great stuff, keep TJ in the straight and narrow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so. With Renault, passion for what drives you. Official car partner of the GAA. To know what's really happening, subscribe to the Irish Examiner today at irishexaminer.com forward slash subscribe. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.